0: And welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast that deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, the worship executive at Discipleship Ministries.
1: I'm Derek Weber, the director of Preaching Ministries.
2: And I'm Diana sanchez bichong the director of Music Ministries. And together, we'll
0: discuss how to plan worship using the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging, relevant and adaptable for your church setting. This is Episode 8 from the worship area at Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And We are so excited to share Planning Helps with you today as you prepare for the first of two worship series in the season of Easter. Now, this first series is called Revive Us Again. So, let's get started. We want to begin uh, by talking about the season of Easter, or as some would call it, Pasha, which is the Greek for Easter, mostly understood as Resurrection Sunday. It's good to, to remember that the Easter season is probably the oldest festival of the Christian church in the Western world. And in our previous episode, Holy Week series, we moved through dramatic liturgical observances like Holy or Monday Thursday, uh, where we experienced the Passover meal, or what we now know as the Last Supper or the Eucharist. And we know that uh, Two of the primary rituals of our denomination, of the Christian faith, of course, is Holy Communion. That ritual was actually institutionalized on Maundy Thursday, Holy Week. A second ritual experience during the Holy Week season was foot washing, which is a reenactment of John 13, where Jesus actually kneels down to wash the feet of the disciples. Uh, So Monday, Thursday is actually uh, a ritual-rich experience utilizing um, the ritual of Eucharist as well as the foot-washing ritual. Of course, Good Friday is the culmination and the verification of all that Jesus taught and preached during his three-year stint in ministry on earth. So for millions of Christians, Easter is a time of recognizing and honoring Jesus, the Paschal Lamb, for recognizing and understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made that we might have eternal life as believers. But, you know, seldom do we talk about Easter pre-Christian understanding. Previously, Easter was actually associated with a pagan holiday, Uh, and it goes back to this springtime ritual in the context of the Saxons. So the Feast of Easter originally celebrated renewal and rebirth, but honoring the pagan Saxon Golden Easter. Whenever um, missionaries converted the Saxons to Christianity, uh, and since Easter was memorialized during the same time as Christians observed Easter, uh, these two events merged. And so now Easter is understood as a Christian event in the life of the church. So from Easter Sunday to Pentecost... We celebrate the great 50 days, and we call it the season of Eastertide. And so we move from this great time of resurrection and celebrating uh, the fact that Jesus has done this thing for us, uh, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and we take our 50-day trek all the way to the birthday of the Christian church, Pentecost.
1: And Easter reminds us of how the Christian faith eases into the world as it is. That's what you were just saying, Cynthia, with with that taking of an ancient, a pagan holiday and reinventing it as a Christian event. Mm-hmm. the The pagan roots are about rebirth, about right. starting over, about springtime coming. So, of course, it makes sense mm-hmm. that Easter resurrection would fit right into that sort of thing. And so... So what we're trying to do is we're trying to experience that glory, that resurrection, mm. as an ongoing basis.
0: Indeed,
1: one of the things that happens uh, at Easter time is is we get all excited for all the Holy Week that you just reminded us of, and, and all of those events, and then the great Easter Sunday, and then it's like everybody wants to take time off after that, right?
2: <laughs> Where'd <Yeah>. they go? <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: it's a good question. That that Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, has, has traditionally been called Low Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's low for lots of reasons. <laughs> but our goal in this series, Revive Us Again, is to maintain that strength of yes. the passion and the power of Easter. Mm. Which reminds me, if you have a lectionary calendar, you might notice there's a little change that took place from the observance of Lent to the aver- observance of the Easter season. In Lent, we talk about the Sundays in Lent. Right. Mm-hmm. And from Easter, we now talk about the Sundays of Easter. There's that shift that's taken place. In the uh, planning notes for this, the series, I talk a little bit about what that represents. But but in short, it, it just is the understanding that Easter has transformed us. And yeah. now mm-hmm. we are Easter people. Mm-hmm. So we are of Easter as opposed to being in yeah. Lent. Right. During Lent, we're reminded of our brokenness. We're reminded of our mortality. We're reminded of our limitations. And so we are in that kind of season. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Yes. That's what how Paul describes yes, it. Yes. We're of Easter. We're beyond all of that. And so we're hoping to, to capture a little bit of that experience in these two series that we've created for the Easter season. And we made them short so that you can dip in and out or, or do whatever fits best with your tradition. One of the things that I found as a preacher is that it's hard to avoid those stories after Easter. Mm -hmm. And and we're asking you to consider not doing those stories this year (laughs) to look instead at the epistle. But you can't help but listen to Thomas on the Sunday after Easter because we all have that feeling of that doubt or that wonder. Did it really happen? Mm -hmm. All that stuff that we did, is it now gone? Uh, and then after that, we have the walk to Emmaus. That's the common story that sure. we do on the, mm-hmm. the, the second Sunday after Easter. So it's just those stories dominate. Mm-hmm. But, but we're asking that you might take a look at the epistle. The epistle for this first series is First Peter. And so we, we built a series around uh, three readings, three sections from First Peter, just in the first couple of chapters of that because we found in that uh, uh, an attempt to hold on to the passion and the power of Easter. And that's why we came up with our, our title. But the individual uh, days are about this joy. We're calling the first one, the indescribable and glorious joy. We hold on to Easter. The second one is called setting our faith and hope about what we live into after Easter. And then finally, by his wounds. Mm. Well, I'll give you a challenge. If you go to the epistle readings for this series, and you look at the third one, the first two are somewhat easy because they are about this joy. The third one is the difficult Mm -hmm. one. It's about slaves and about obedience and about suffering. And we never like talking about that. And it is a hard thing to do. You have to do some work. Mm -hmm. But I believe it is work worth doing because there are people in your congregation, I would venture to guess, who are being oppressed or being abused in various ways, and they need to hear a word because too often we take these passages about about slaves obey your masters of saying you just put up with stuff, that our job is to just put up with stuff. But I submit that there's something more going on here. On the surface, it sounds like that. Endure, but there's something deeper about how we honor ourselves, our bodies, and those in our care, how we live into a new reality. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you to go a little deeper. You can't help but ask the question about the authorship of the letter, though. <laughs> it's called First Peter, and, and as I write, uh, both as I wrote sermons and as I wrote the notes here, I can't help but fall into that habit of calling him Peter. <laughs> there is some debate amongst biblical scholars as to whether it was actually written by Peter, there are some who think it was and others who think, no, the language doesn't fit. The timing doesn't quite fit. And there are some convincing arguments, I think, as to why it not, might not have been the actual apostle who wrote that. And yet for preaching, I think it is okay to live into that hope and that reality that this, if it wasn't Peter's words, then perhaps it was Peter's essence. Because there's something about the person of Peter and all that he went through during the Holy Week season that redeems what is going on here. Uh, and, And I think if we put this in Peter's mouth, or at least in his thoughts or in his teaching, then we have a depth to this call to joy that we might not have otherwise. But why revive us again? That phrase doesn't appear actually in the text anywhere, but that hint I think is there, that idea is there throughout. So I fell back on my history, my teaching, my learning, and I remembered the song. Mm -hmm. The song, Revive Us Again, those are the words that came to us. It's not a song we sing all that much today. I don't think it's in our hymnals. It's in the Cokesbury
2: Hymnal, the 1938 hymnal. Of course.
1: Yeah, the Mm -hmm. new one, (laughs) 1938. (laughs) But it's still a part of our tradition. Mm -hmm. And we have this word, revival. What exactly do you... Hear when we say that word. Some people hear it as a negative. That's an old timey kind of thing. We're moving away from that. Others say no. There's a there's a power and a passion to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience, Cynthia and Diana, what what you experience in terms of revival. But but I do remember uh, in my history preaching revivals in different places, and the question was always, what is it really about? There was this understanding that revivals were sometimes an evangelistic thing, mm-hmm. trying to get new mm-hmm. people in. Yeah. They were rarely very effective for that because <laughs> it tended to be the people who were always there who came in. And yet that might not be a bad thing mm-hmm. for those of us who sit in the pews week after week to have a time that we set aside to say, let's re-energize our faith. Let's focus on some of those essentials. Yes. Let's let's get excited about what we may have forgotten here on Low Sunday mm. this lull mm-hmm. after the heights of Easter right. let's pull that back and experience some of that again
2: yeah bringing life back um, and as you say in Easter I mean this is a perfect time new life rebirth revive mm. I, I think back growing up in Texas we did I went to several revivals that my church would have periodically um, sometimes they were outside and under a tent. Um, and there would be special speakers, a lot of hymn singing. Um, and then as an adult, I was asked to lead some singing at revivals. And this was not outside. It was in the church. But it was a different time of day, mm-hmm. uh, a different emphasis. Mm-hmm. And and even if it wasn't to bring in new people, it was to bring the spirit back into the people right. who were yeah. already there. Mm-hmm. And for that purpose, I think it, it's, it does what it, it's supposed to do. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Coming from the culture of New Orleans, uh, there were seasons of revival. The spring revival Mm -hmm. was the time that we came out of the Easter rejoicing, uh, but moved around to each other's congregations, and pastors would exchange pulpits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The revival was typically five nights in a row in a row yeah <laughs> um and it was it was interesting because it everybody looked forward to the week of revival. Mm. It was the mm. most mm-hmm. interesting thing, and people actually showed up right. <laughs> um and the, the same would have been true for the the fall revival sometimes um a person would preach all five mm. nights and then other times re, sort of related to the good Friday seven last words mm. uh, uh each night we'd have a different evangelist Mm -hmm. who who came to preach. But in that service, uh, what I remember most were the testimonies. Mm -hmm. So the service actually began with testimony. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity for people to just kind of stand up and talk about what the Lord has done for them. (laughs) They would tell their story. Uh, And it really sort of stoked the fire of revival, uh it was the voices and the stories of the lay people uh that really constituted revival revival and reaffirmation and re- restoration those stories infused a, a certain kind of energy uh so if you know something about the sing song uh, call and response nature of african american worship uh listening to a story you'll hear all over The sanctuary folks helping to tell the story. Mm, Yes. With the responses, Amen, and thank you, Jesus, and yes, Lord. And well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But in addition to the testimonies, I especially remember the altar call. Mm. And the altar call was really not for those who were not yet saved, but it was for those who needed to come and perhaps repent. Mm. Uh, those uh, who uh, perhaps just needed to come and intercede for someone else in the community, Um, sometimes those prayers just arose right out of the congregation. And they weren't scripted, Hmm. but they were extemporaneously done. And the prayers were extension of the story. Mm -hmm. So the prayers were testimony with a rhythm. Um, we knew most of the testimonies. <laughs> we knew most of the prayers. but and, and as children of a preacher, we got in a lot of trouble singing the prayers along with the deacons and the uh, deaconesses. But the thing is that we as children were steeped in that understanding that it really is important to know that there are moments in your walk when you really need to be revived, yes. uh, that you get to those places in life where, uh, it, pruning has happened, mm-hmm. everything's been cut back, and and so it's a it's a, su- a series of um, opportunities to begin to nourish that bush, that's been cut back, mm-hmm. so that well, it can come safe, back
2: in a safe environment. Yes, you know I think absolutely. that's what that provides. Well, and, yeah. I,
1: and I think our thinking is that we don't think that time is going to be right after Easter because right. we just had this and right. top yeah. experience, so therefore right. we should be able to hold on to it. But it. that may be the very time we mm-hmm. need that revival. Mm-hmm. We need Amen. to come back and claim it again, yes. even yes. so close to those high holy days.
2: Mm. Yes. So did you have any revival experiences, Derek, in your area?
1: Oh, I did. Um, I enjoyed preaching uh, revivals. I was invited around my area to different churches, some in my tradition, a few uh, across the denominational lines. I was mm-hmm. occasionally invited to do that. I never got one that was five <laughs> nights long, though. I, I did three nights, uh, I think, was my that, That's my a max limit. in
2: Texas, too. <laughs> yeah, three. Well, we had
0: nothing else to do in New Orleans.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they're still doing that in New Orleans, doing five nights, whether you can get an audience for five <laughs> it's,
2: it's because of Mardi Gras, you know. Yeah, it, that's it's right. More to repent, five, perhaps. Yes, I, think I so. don't
0: know. Yeah.
1: But I but I loved being in there, taking a theme and, and working it through the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I always saw my message uh, in those settings, even the ones that thought in their heads they were going to be evangelistic, going to bring in lots of new people, and then were disappointed that a lot of new people didn't come. My message was always a similar one, and that is, isn't it good? To be in the house of the lord mm-hmm. isn 't it good to be a part of god 's family yeah. mm-hmm. and we were celebrating all that God has given us mm-hmm. when Peter writes this letter at the very beginning it's it 's a celebration of mm-hmm. what we 've been given mm-hmm. uh, he almost it almost sounds like a song to me Diana mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as he 's writing this it 's just this amazing thing mm-hmm. that he 's just in awe of what 's been given to us and and that 's part of that celebration to say thank you God. For yes. stuff I already know,
0: yes.
1: well, we know the songs, yes. as you were saying. We we know the words; we've heard them before, and yet we got to claim them again and mm-hmm. sing them again. Yes, yes.
2: Well, let's. I, I want to talk a little bit about the hymn that we've named this mm-hmm. worship series after, and that's "Revive Us Again." It is, as we mentioned, um, in our Methodist history. It's in our Cokesbury Hymnal, nineteen thirty-eight, and on our website you will find a PDF of that page if you want to look at it. As I was preparing that to put it on the website, I I realized that it's in shape notes. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But um, the writer of the text is William McKay, and uh, he wrote this in 1863. He was educated in Scotland, and he was a physician for a number of years before answering a call to ministry. And upon answering this call, he became the pastor at Prospect Street, Presbyterian Church in Hull, Scotland. Now the tune has um, there's a little bit of discrepancy about who wrote that tune for many years. Mm-hmm. it was thought to be John Jenkins' husband and but later research revealed that McKay himself wrote a, the tune "Revive Us Again" to go with this text. Mm-hmm. Now, the shape notes, um, I also put a link to um, the Encyclopedia Britannica that gives a little explanation about the shape note system. If you'll remember that in the American uh, hymnals and songbooks of early America, much was written in the shape note fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a movable doe system. So the shape a triangle will define for you what doe is. And in the case of Revive Us again it's in the key of G, so that you'll find that triangle shape on the the G um line. So So is
0: that doe a deer or is that dough do- S N <laughs> the, the music
2: syllables. It, it's in the solfege. Oh, okay, yeah. All or right. tonic okay. is another way to put it. Thank you. I dear. have no
1: idea what you're talking <laughs> about, but it, but it sounds impressive. So yeah. Go
2: ahead. Uh, Well, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Um, so this song is in a shape note uh, fashion, but you will be able to read it and sing sing it um, easily from from what's in the um, on the website. Now, um, speaking about some other hymns, so as we were talking about this series, you know, there's the the joy for that first Sunday. And, of course, as a music director and um, and people who might pick music for the congregation to mm-hmm. sing, you're going to find plenty of songs and hymns about joy. But then also be thinking about faith and hope. And then that last week, that third week, about healing. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you some more um Uh, ideas on the website for some of those hymns but let me just uh, mention a couple of those Um, just a closer walk with thee is a great hymn you'll find it in songs of Zion Um, also is you're all on the altar it's also in songs of Zion number 34 we walk by faith this is in the faith we sing that's a perfect song for this series Without seeing you is another one, also found in the faith we sing. And Jesus paid it all. That's in worship and song. So those are just some to think about. Um, Going back to Revive Us again, however, I'm giving you the number also of the uh, song in Spanish. So you might have a bilingual aspect to your worship service. So it is in Mil Voces Para Celebrar, number 16. And so you could sing a few verses in English and some in Spanish, just a thought. And if you're in a more modern and contemporary context in your church, your church worship, there is a nice version by Big Daddy Weave that you will find on, the, on YouTube, uh, that is Revive Us Again. I'm giving you links to all of these on our website. So hopefully that gets your mind thinking about uh, songs for this these three weeks. And if you decide to have a revival, you've got some places to go.
0: So as you think about your own community and ways in which you might interface with other congregations or ways in which you might interface with other persons within the community. Uh, Revival could be a wonderful time uh, to invite friends and colleagues um, from around the community to come and be a part. I will say that uh, the other thing that was exciting about Revival is that you always knew that there was going to be food at the beginning <laughs> <right>. and food <laughs> at the end. It's the Methodist end. way. And I promise it's the best way to get folks to come. <laughs> church, church. Say Jesus to them that you're going <laughs> to. So if if you, uh, and it's a wonderful way for the church itself to be in fellowship mm-hmm. one with another. So if you began, for instance, with uh, just a simple beverage, but it's a time when the church can gather and Persons can actually interface with their neighbors. If you are a church of two services, it's a great time for those two services uh, and the communities of those two services to come together. And to really get to know each other, the revival doesn't have to just take place in the sanctuary. It might take place in the fellowship hall as well, Mm -hmm. an extension of what is happening in the uh, actual sanctuary. And then to end that time... Uh, Once again, giving uh, the participants an opportunity to be in fellowship and conversation one with another uh, and to hear further stories uh, about what is happening in the lives of people. It gives us the fodder, actually, for the ways in which the congregation ought to be praying uh, in their regular Sunday service. So we really hope that you will uh, continue to uh, consider the idea of a time of revival, and know that it is not outdated. As a matter of fact, when I think about the world and all that we are experiencing at this time, I think this is a season uh, that we want to remember our first love, as John said in the book of of, of the Revelation. Uh, it's time maybe for us as the church uh, to remember how it is that we have been imbued with Power from on high. Uh, as we take this 50 day walk to Pentecost when the church was actually born, what happened to these people in the midst of walking that 50 day journey? What was going on? Uh, I would guarantee you that that same kind of spirit of fasting and praying was operative as the church got its start uh, during this big time of preparing for the, the church to be born. What is it that you need to be praying about in your community? How can you uh, bring together various faith communities and really be before God and lay at, at the feet of Jesus these deep concerns uh, that are existing maybe in your public school systems or uh, what what would happen if you actually brought together the staff and faculty and the children of a public school and brought them to your Fellowship Hall and actually created a meal for them and and really gave an opportunity for them to tell their stories. I think in the long run, we could call that revival. Mm
2: -hmm. What do you think? Mm -hmm.
0: So in just a a few uh, weeks, we're going to be venturing into another episode of our podcast. And that episode is entitled Chosen and precious. I'm so excited. i really, am not sure exactly all of what we're going to do with that. Uh, Derek does such an amazing job with uh, the exegesis and sometimes isegesis of these passages, Uh, but chosen and precious, I think, promises uh, to be an experience where you really can't help but go deeper. Uh, So we want to uh, really say how much we appreciate you joining us today. Remember that you can always find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. In the meantime, go with God.
1: This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.